swallow your pride. There's nowhere to hide. What would you decide when it's on the line? If it's do or die, would you compromise? Or would you stand through the storm and roll with the tide? Would you be the one to fight or the one to hide? You can never touch the sky, you don't try to fly. Rocky Rose, but we stayed unshakable. Been through it all and we still unbreakable. What is up, guys? Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. Today, I have a fellow first form athlete. Welcome to the Reborn Show. Um, we have lots of puppies on here. Um, what? So, what kind of what kind of dog? What kind of dogs did you say they were? Uh, this is a American Bully, uh-huh. and they'll oh, call them. Yeah, they'll call them XL if they're over oh. a certain like girth. Yeah, so I literally have poop on my desk now. <laughs> so, like, um, dude, something similar. So, my I have two Belgian Malinois, and um, same sort of thing. Like, Raven was in her second heat, and I wanted to wait. I was not ready. I didn't. I wanted to breed them, but like, I wanted her to have like two heats, and it was either at the beginning. I don't know, but literally, my littlest son, who was like six at the time let i was on a phone call actually with my ironclad team the same team that does my podcasting and he let out both of rose and raven and i remember walking out i walked by the sliding door like out back because you know like he like let the dogs out i remember looking outside on my side eye and they were tied off and i was like never in my life had i ever seen anything like that it's so awkward i know and i was like oh my gosh i was like oh my gosh we're having puppies and sure enough, we ended up have we had um I think it was like four four puppies, five puppies. We gave yeah, them. they're not but, like humans where it can be hit or miss. Like they're 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 batting a it's good. It's pretty. 900%. It's pretty solid. Yeah, if they're if they're tied off, like the chances the chances are pretty good. Um. Well, oh my gosh, are you gonna? Is it? Are you gonna keep one? We we have too many. We have, geez, if you include the pup, we already have four dogs in the house. You know, we have two chihuahuas and two bullies, the boy and the girl. And that's uh-huh. sm- the male is her color. That She's this merle coat. So we already have I four dogs. It. And no, the puppies, luckily, like, there's a lot of people in our neighborhood, a lot of friends, a couple influencers and things that are like, yeah, send them out or I'll come pick them up. So it's just so much work. So we're we're happy to to find them good homes with people we actually know. It's it's really cool. Yeah. I am. Um, when I, when I was... Um... You know, because you you obviously have to take care of the puppies. You have a garage, okay, Jason. I do not have a garage, right? I have a beach house. So, with that, when this the house that I'm in now, when it was built, it was built as a vacation home for like a, another family, and then oh, I ended up buying it. Um, so there there's not like a lot of like closet space, a lot of storage because it was meant to be just like a temporary, like oh, a vacation home. So. The only place I had to keep these puppies to like, you know, whatever she like birds to puppies were, were, were in the downstairs bathroom. Okay. So if I could paint the picture, it's just a sliding door to go into the bathroom. This is where the puppies stayed. And probably 10 feet from the sliding door was the exit door to get outside to our backyard. And every morning, Jason, I like all the puppies would be in the, um, in the bathroom with the door closed. And I would have to fully get dressed because these are Belgian Malinois too like they love they just want to like bite and like that's what they do like it's a big game for them and so every morning it was like a race against like the little raptors in my bathroom I would open I would open the front door 
And then I would open the sliding door and I would see, like, I would try to beat them out the door because if not, I, my legs were basically like chew toys until I could distract yeah. them with their puppy food. So <clears throat> man, hats yeah. off to you for doing it twice. I said, after that one time when Raven had puppies, I was like, no more. Yeah. I was like, she's yeah. getting you, you understand. Like, no, this, this was not on purpose. So this is the last time we, we, we got the female spade. Yeah. So. Let me go put her back up. Cool, for sure. I want to talk about, you know, I did a show. Um, I did a bodybuilding show over the summer. And I did my first show. And then I went in and I competed in nationals. And I'm basically kind of like in my off season. But I know like you started out like your IFBB pro. Uh, do you, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I want to talk about like how you initially got into. Um, I swallowed a quinoa, funny. Hold on. <laughs> that stuff doesn't excuse work. me no i yeah anyways um i want to talk about like how you initially got into just bodybuilding in general and how did you get into this space you, know, you were really you were really young you were really young um at the age of like what were you like 19 when you got into bodybuilding no actually i was i did like bodybuilding when i was 19 and that's the first that's all the information we had was really bodybuilders were passing down all the information. There wasn't a lot of functional people. There wasn't sports. There wasn't strength and coaches. There wasn't all these. You just didn't have the information. I, I would love to see the amount of information and, and statistics that we had as far as how much less. But I promise you it was like 95% less information, sure. right? Yeah, we, sure. So the encyclopedia of bodybuilding. And I'm like, listen, but then then performance training came. So I really got interested in bodybuilding when um i started seeing competitions and i just love competing in things um i'll pass that same you know uh thing down to my kids like train train for yourself but give yourself a competitive reason why like why sure. are you training because you'll you'll always be a better athlete you'll be a better more fit person if you're pushing your limits to see how much you can get out of your body so i don't i, I didn't care what it was it was like what can i get out of my body what can i really program stick to a diet and bodybuilding just fit being type one diabetic. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't be an endurance athlete anymore as a type one diabetic. I couldn't, I couldn't do the sprint triathlons. I never did a, an Ironman or anything like that, but I did little small sprint triathlons and even, even five K's, even running a five K was hard as a type one diabetic. So I was like, what can I do that fits with what I've, you know, been cursed with. Right. And, um, so it was bodybuilding. And it just fit. Like you eat the same thing every day, pretty much. You try to go to sleep the same time. You try to get a certain amount of sleep. And then you wake up and you do it all over again. And the the training is a, in a less caloric deficit, right? Sure. Um, the muscle is why you burn the fat. But the fact is bodybuilding exercises, you don't burn as many calories in the workout as you do a hybrid, hardcore, like CrossFit workout. Sure. So I, I kind of want to back up a little bit. So whenever you were growing up, when were, when were you diagnosed with diabetes? When did you find out that you were diagnosed with that? That was 2011. And okay. I was actually, I was actually 29. So yeah, I was kind of used to my ways. I was already a trainer. I was already a nutritionist and I, I loved fitness. You know, it was, it consumed my life. That, sure. That's really all I knew. But then boom, I get hit with that diagnosis and I had to kind of learn how to. And this was in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did that, how did that change your outlook? Like even as a trainer, um, you know, because I'm sure at that time, whenever you were training, you probably, 
you obviously like you had to adjust your diet, right? You had to adjust your nutrition. Did your training at that point change? Like whenever you found out that you, you know, whenever you got diagnosed with diabetes, how, how did you combat that? And like, what changed in your lifestyle? I mean, it was night and day. I mean, I'll just say this before I really wasn't the best nutritionist. I didn't understand how to get people lean Sure. weight loss goals. I could get, I can help them lose weight. I couldn't help them lose a hundred pounds. I couldn't, I couldn't help. Um, and it's because I didn't understand nutrition as well, but when you're type one diabetic, you understand macros, which is why I'm a real big believer in, in counting your macros before understanding to count calories. Um, so I started doing a, a macro based diet and, a, a understanding the value of a lower carb diet. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a person who says all what? carbs are bad or that everyone should yeah. do a low carb diet, but in certain situations, when you're battling insulin resistance, you need to understand how to do low carb for a while. And when I understand the value of keto and when I say, I'm, I'm not saying everyone should eat keto, I'm a very, very like situational person. I believe there's Wait, so many do you, different, do you eat keto? I did keto for four years. Oh, okay. That's, I went, yeah, I, I went to, I've, I've done them all too. I like, we could definitely like talk on that. Cause I, there's so much value into like, I like to do all of the different types. The only thing that I have never done, Jason is like a vegetarian or a vegan type diet for myself. And, and I have never created or put out like a vegan or a vegetarian type diet or a meal plan for myself, just because I, I have to actually do it and go through it before it's almost like you can better teach it because you truly understand how you feel, right? If you've done keto for four years, like you could easily walk, you have a client, if you a client approached you and was like, Hey, like, I want to do like the strength training, but I want to stay. Kept. You're like, boom, I've done it. I did it for four years. I can tell you the pros. I can tell you the cons. I can tell you what to watch out for everything from my experience. And it's the same thing. You know, you're saying that you were diagnosed with type one diabetes, you know, now you have, you've learned, you've had to learn for yourself, right? Uh, every, all the steps necessary to have a successful fit and healthy lifestyle after the diagnosis. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, you're, you understand nutrition and the benefits of understanding all different diets. And that's what it did for me. It, it helped me become healthier because my insulin sensitivity was amazing from, from the point I was diagnosed. Um, I guess, I guess I understood that even though the doctor said, Oh, go eat as many carbs as you want. Like, Oh, you can just dose your insulin. You, yeah. I mean, here's my insulin. So they, they're saying like, I literally could eat what I wanted. I just needed to dose my insulin for it. And I was like, hold up. Hold on, that doesn't make sense. Like, I know this is a medication. If so, yeah, you, so they're uh, basically, yeah, go ahead. If you use too much medication, pretty much any medication out there, you can't just use as much as you want, right? You're going to lose efficiency. If we're just talking about like in bro science terms here, everything in moderation, guys, right? So I knew I couldn't just go and blast as much insulin as possible. So I, was, I didn't listen to the doctor. I was like, I'm literally going to try to use as little of this stuff as possible. And what it showed me was my insulin sensitivity was amazing. My energies, my energy came from fats and also my protein. Um, And then a little bit from carbs. I had 50 grams of carbs before my workouts and that's it. And what it did, what it showed me was how to implement carbs in strategically. So on heavier leg days, I would have a little bit more carbs, you know, and every year. Can you just explain really quick in layman's term, uh, in layman's terms, the diabetes that you have and how it affects you just so people can really understand because I want to kind of get into like the diet and the nutrition behind that. Yeah, yeah. So type one diabetes and type two diabetes are completely different diseases. They literally should not even be called the same thing. 
I don't know who did that to, because there's maybe a couple of similar symptoms, but the action at which people attain these diseases, they're not even the same. So I'm type one, I'm, it's an autoimmune disease. And basically my pancreas doesn't produce insulin. So I have to inject insulin. When, when you guys eat, everyone watching this, when you eat, all right, your pancreas is going to produce insulin. And that's going to help you turn your glucose or the carbs, the fats, even the protein, all of it. It's going to help turn that into either energy storage or energy uh, disposal for, for use for your daily activity, right? So, but when I eat insulin, when I eat carbs, I don't produce insulin. So it'll literally just float around in my blood and I will have a lot of bad side effects, you know, uh, like losing a ton of weight, getting extremely dehydrated because I'm going to pee out tons of water. Um, I, I would basically, if I didn't use my insulin, not only would I probably die, but I would, I would, uh, you know, wither away back to 145 pounds like I was, um, and have, and have some very serious side effects, including even, you know, there's some things that can happen with your brain. So sure. well, what, what were some of the signs that you saw, like whenever you were diagnosed back in, you said it was, uh, 2011, um, leading up to like, Oh, I, I should probably get this checked because, you know, like, what were you well, experiencing? Well, it was a slap in the face because I noticed immediately I was peeing all the time. And that's not that doesn't necessarily tell you to wake up because sometimes we do have days and nights where we're like, man, I'm peeing a lot. You know, but mm -hmm. I was just I could I was working and I couldn't sit at my desk and I couldn't I was a bouncer at a club. I couldn't stay at the front. I kept having to leave and then so I mean it was every 15 minutes. I literally would go to the bathroom, come right back. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I gotta leave again. And so it, my people, my managers and people who worked with me were like getting frustrated. So I'm mm. like, I'm not kidding. Like I couldn't explain it. I was like, I don't know. They're like, stop drinking so much coffee. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. You may be right. I'll just show sure. them the coffee. But yeah, frequent urination. I mean, all night I would pee every, I would, my, my eyes would close and I'd have to pee and then I'd go back to sleep. All right, go back to sleep. Have to pee again. I would, I would, so I started tallying, mm -hmm. I started tallying my, like how many times I peed at night. It would be 14 times. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's probably <laughs> and, black for sure. And so you don't get sleep and then you get sleep deprivation. So I had sleep deprivation. I, I know what it's like. I can relate to people who have gone through situations in life where they don't sleep for two or three days and you start to get a little nuts. You start hearing voices. You start kind of talking to yourself. Um, my, my, the, the, the dehydration from all the pee. Okay. And the reason why is because you're peeing out toxins. There's ketones in your urine when your blood sugar is high. Um, it's a similar reason why, like when people drink a lot of alcohol, they have to, they have to pee. All right. Mm -hmm. The next day, especially, but this is a lot more. So, I mean, I just lost weight. I'm, I'm 220 right now. It's probably 145 pounds. Um, and I mean, amongst, you know, my, I could smell, there's so much sugar in my blood. I could smell it in my sweat. It was coming out. Oh, I was wow. like, and I, and I still don't know what's wrong, but I'm like, I can smell something, something sweet. And then my vision got blurry. It was very blurry. Um, but yeah, the minute, the minute that I just got insulin, the minute they gave me insulin, um, it was probably nine months later. I, I definitely took too long to get diagnosed, but I, I felt amazing. The minute I gave myself a shot, I was walking down the hall and I was like, you're like, wow, I feel like, yeah. I feel like I absorbed nutrients for the first time that uh, year. Wow. And I was like, I just felt like I could breathe. I felt like I was like, yeah. oh my God. Because there's depression. There's all these other things too with wondering what's going on with you. And sure. So yeah. And once so I got did, the it, insulin, did I it take good. about, did it take about nine months to figure out your diagnosis? Was this like you just not going to the doctor or was this like just, well, it was like figuring out? Because obviously, you know, that probably wouldn't be one of the first things that somebody would think looking at you. Yeah. And that's why I try to educate people about 
you know, I'll at least try to share my story so people don't take as long because it was miserable. And the fact is I could have died. I, I literally could have gone comatose sure. from my blood sugar being so high. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it, it doesn't normally take nine months. I, I'd say like everyone I talk to, they usually catch it and they understand in a few months. I didn't, I didn't go to the doctor because I didn't have health insurance. And I did go to, I went to a clinic and I thought maybe I had an STD at the time. I was like, maybe my girlfriend at the time cheated on me. Mm-hmm. I had all these thoughts sure. going by my head and not one of them was, was diabetes. Like diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. So I have in, in 2012, you had your IFBB pro debut. So I want to talk about how you got diagnosed with diabetes. So now your, your, your lifestyle has changed. But then you you're you're competing. You decide to step on stage in, in 2012. How was your prep leading up to that to your first competition after your diagnosis compared to the shows that you've done in the past? Yeah, I mean it was it was very different because before I could just get away with maybe a low fat diet and I I would do fitness model contests. Like I wasn't a competitor before 2011. I wasn't necessarily a competitor. I was. I under I just did fitness model contests mm-hmm. to to market myself as a trainer. Sure. Gotcha. I know, and once again, one of these yeah. things just be competitive. Like, let's. I did too. I, I did a lot of like the hot body competitions and stuff when I like early on. Whenever I was, you know, I was doing work training and I was a trainer as well. I did a lot of that stuff as well. What year? Yeah. What year was that? Um, I was same time, like around the same time. It sounds like that you were doing all of your stuff. I was the. Uh, bodybuilding.com spokesmodel um, in man probably around that same time but I was doing a lot of like I don't know I have old trophies that I actually was pulling out of the attic last week or a couple weeks ago it's like hot body competition you know and the foot's yeah. like broken and my boys are like what is this mom and I'm like put that down it's nothing but uh, yeah I you know I, I always love that too about being competitive and um, kind of like, and I want to talk about like the, what you learned about yourself during that time of competing, because, you know, this is what, for me, this is what it's really about is like the trainers, how we experience these things and we gather the knowledge so we can go teach it to the other people, to the ones who are, you know, underneath us or below us that we are trying to mentor and build up, whether it's physical fitness, whether it's talking, coaching, what have you, um, So I kind of want to talk about that, like, like the things that you have learned about, like the bodybuilding. And then I want to kind of fast forward to like where you are now, because you, you know, it hasn't been easy for you. It hasn't been easy for you. You've had so many struggles leading up. Um, And, and then I think you, you know, you finished your, your bodybuilding career, you're like top 10. Um, Is that correct? Top five. Top five. Top five. Yeah. And was that at um, the Arnold or Mr. Mr. Olympia in Vegas? Yeah, I, I did top five at, a, at the Arnold a, a few times, I think three times. And man, I came so close to winning the Arnold. I had a, I had a back cramp that caught, that kept me from winning one year. My, my, no, my back on stage. Literally, on yeah, stage. I couldn't, I couldn't like you, you need to, your muscles need to be very relaxed. You don't want to be dehydrated. What's funny is a lot of people are dehydrated, but it's so, like, yeah, you, you don't want your muscles. You don't want your muscles to be dehydrated. You just want your like your skin to be dehydrated. Yeah, and that's where it gets tough. Is especially as a type one. I yeah. there's certain things that I couldn't I couldn't do the diuretics. Um, there's a smart way and there's a stupid way to do those, and I couldn't I couldn't do them. I tried. It would always mess with my blood sugar because when you're dehydrated, your your blood doesn't flow as well, 
And when your blood doesn't flow as well as a type one diabetic, the insulin's not going to flow through the blood very well. And so I'm not getting, I'm not receiving my medication. And so I had, there's levels of dehydration I could go through, but the diuretic. So this particular time at the Arnold, yeah, I didn't win because um, I was dehydrated. I simply was just not drinking water. And I, I could have taken, now I know the, the benefit of electrolytes. Guys, take your electrolytes. I'm sure Ashley talks mm -hmm. about amounts of salt and electrolytes. That's a whole other conversation, but that's all I needed. And I, I would literally would have won. The judges told me like, hey, if you can come back at finals and your back relaxes, um, then you, this is still your show to win. And I was like, okay. And I'm like doing massages and I got my wife pushing down on my knots and all this stuff. We're trying to just get those lats to relax. It didn't happen. I needed like some magnesium you know, citrate or some form, maybe even just a teaspoon of, of, of pink salt, you know, something. Um, what, but what, anyways, what year was that? When, when was your last year of getting on stage? That, that, that loss was 2015. And the last time I competed was October, 2016. So it's, it's been, a, it's been, I can't believe it's been almost geez, seven years. Um, and I, I continued to train. I just didn't get on stage. I continued sure. to get big, bigger, I continued to get better. I just didn't get down to those four and five percent body fat levels sure. that I that I had to for stage. Yeah. And um, do, yeah, do you that, do you have that in you at all anymore? Do you think that you would ever get back on stage? That's a whole nother like I haven't start like I'm like I tell myself I'm in my off season like I'm not I haven't officially started, but I'm still eating like all my prepped food and like I'm still it's. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard. Like once you're in it, it's hard to get out of it. And I think once you're out of it, then you realize like the discipline that it takes and the everything. And you're like, oh man, that was maybe maybe I'm good and I don't need to step back in heavy. Um, yeah, the way I look at it is, I mean, this is literally the way. And this, I believe this. A lot of people constantly ask themselves a question and ask other people questions like do you think you compete again and the truth is yeah i could um it just become it, it's down to value to me is it valuable sure. to me anymore sure and i have other things that are more valuable to me now it's it's a mental thing bodybuilding all, almost all sports <laughs> anything that's challenging anything that's freaking hard is a mental yeah. game so do I have it mentally this year to come back? Um, honestly, I just can't say that. I mean, because I don't. So that's why I would love to. But it, it's got to become one of those things where it's valuable to my family. It's valuable to my wife. It's valuable to me, to, to my businesses. Um, and then if, if all those come together, then yeah, because it is a huge sacrifice. I, you can't. That's the bad thing. Once you're top three in the world, because I, I did four Olympians, you know, and by the way, I was a I was a first type one diabetic and the only man to ever make it to Olympia. And that's why I did it wow. is because that's I incredible. said, you know what, if I got to live with this freaking disease, I'm going to, I'm going to do something memorable. I'm going to do something that makes me proud. I'm going to do something that makes my family proud. And I had seen, I had seen online that there wasn't a type one diabetic man that had ever made it to Olympia. There was a female and she was my mentor. She taught me everything about how to, how to eat different, how to train. Who, different. who was that? Can you say her name? Colette Nelson. She's a badass. Colette Nelson is uh, extremely knowledgeable. She's not like big on social media anymore. She still is out there, but nobody could help me. Nobody could help me except for her. And um, she, there, there's this, there, we, we could do a whole another podcast about how to manipulate carbs and, and a different insulin protocol. Like sure. I couldn't do insulin the way the doctors told me. 
I would not have been a, a peak performing athlete. So I had to do it different and I still do it different. And the cool thing is I've changed in the way my insulin protocol is uh, now, but it's still off pattern. The doctors, I go to them and they're not scared of it, but they're like, man, I've never heard of utilizing insulin and, and some of these even type two medications that way. So that she helped me and I had to really do things so much different than every, every other bodybuilder, every other physique guy. And um, I'm proud of that, you know, but now it's like, if I were to compete again, I really got to find my why. Cause I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I do have a big urge this year because there is a master's Olympia now. I never won Olympia. I got third place twice. I was so close to winning against guys that don't have these problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, now there's a master's Olympia. So that's like, the older guys sure. and the, the older chicks, right? It's 40 plus, but I was like, it's still cool. It gives me a reason to train. It fires me up. And so I'm in the process right now of, of doing everything to get there. And I'll probably make a decision like in March um, if I'm going to try to compete this year. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's incredible. Like, so you're still kind of thinking about it. Um, do you think that like you're drawn to coaching because of like your experiences through like your bodybuilding journey is that like what what is it that's drawn you to coaching to be a coach i mean straight up yeah my name my name is jason and um i am a man of faith i'm a christian and um you know that's that's how i've built the structure that's the core values of our of, of my family my tribe everything is for for me is built on biblical beliefs but um my mom told me at a young age that she prayed over my name she didn't she said that you know, she literally played the whole nine months and she, she told her, uh, that God told her like, Hey, name him Jason. And Jason means healer in the Bible. And my mom told me my whole life that I was going to heal people. I'm like, mom, you're crazy. Like I'm a, I'm somewhat of a hoodlum. I make bad grades. I'm in and out of trouble. I, I definitely was a good kid. I had a good heart. I loved helping. I love working. I worked my butt off, but I was not good at school. So I was like, how am I going to heal? Cause I thought doctor. Sure. And, and, and my mom would even have people like she was, she was a very spiritual person. She still is. And it's funny how right she was her and my grandmother about what they, what they prayed over me about and what, what God told them about me and my name. And they literally predicted everything I've, I've done in life. Um, not, I wouldn't say predicted. It's just that they had this faith that they built in me. And it just happened to be very ironic that, yeah, I, I do heal people. Um, I did it with personal training. I did it for 15 years. I trained a lot of people. I was able to to become, I was in Dallas Magazine as Dallas number one trainer. And um, then I'm hit with a disease and I'm able to overcome that and, you know, become a, a face of that disease and someone people can look up to. So Yeah, I, I, um, I wanted to ask you, did you, did you or do you have experience training others with, uh, with diabetes as well? Or do people yeah. reach out to you for like, you know, help or like mentorship with that, trying to even do bodybuilding and, and kind of, you know, fight their own. Yeah. Okay. A lot. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's really difficult because I did it for so many years, but it takes a lot of one-on-one -on -one just like this. Sure. And I don't have time for that anymore, but, um, and there's still, when, when I get a team together, maybe I'll be able to put together like a book and I'll be able to talk about the diabetic way of bodybuilding. Um, because you, honestly, you every, should, you should, because everyone. I think there, there's still not a whole lot of information out there either about type one diabetes and bodybuilding and how to build your muscles and, um, to prevent all of the crashing, everything that you had experienced. Yeah. I would, I would love to do that. That, that would be a dream come true. I don't, I don't even care. I could, I could give it away for free. 
because I think there's so many people that um, need to understand how to balance blood sugar in life. I mean, look, we have over 400 million. It's climbing. It's probably over 450 million now that have either prediabetes or that are diabetic. I mean, it's it's a real issue that's going on in the world that they don't highlight a lot of. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a it's um, I kind of think I lost track where we were, but um, you were just talking about bodybuilding. I I wanted to ask you because you do so many different things. Uh, It's amazing and fun to see you interacting like you include your family a lot. And you know, like all of your social media stuff and a lot of your business adventures, what what would you say would be like your your favorite business that you have or that you're a part of right now? Oh man, I I absolutely love um, talking about hormones and talking sure. about pep, peptides. Uh, me and you have discussed this, and um, you know, but for some reason you know, people tend to be scared of what they don't know. And, you know, and I, I, and I, I guess I can understand that, but there is so much information out there already about alternative medication, right? Um, the average person just goes through life and they, they really don't want, they don't want to read research studies. They don't want to, they don't want to look at clinical trials and they don't want to, you know, they wait for the news to tell them uh, something's been approved and then they feel comfortable with it. And that's, I'm more the guy that I want to see what's coming in five years and 10 years. What's the future of helping people live healthier lives without all these crazy side effects? And so I have. So whenever you say hormone peptides for the people who are listening, can you kind of like elaborate on that? Like what that means? And um, yeah, let's talk. So um, what, one example is because of type one diabetes and, and, and maybe other reasons, but it most likely I had low testosterone and I found out, uh, the year after I competed, because I did my first two shows naturally. And um, I looked pretty good. I looked good. I was, I think I was top three, um, or maybe top five. And then, um, and then I found out I had low T. And I was like, okay, so I was able to get on testosterone. And, um, you know, that helped me obviously help the body look better. Um, it was a medical need. But also, I'm very honest with people like certain people in bodybuilding, you're going to need to take things to get to the pro level and especially get to the Olympia level. So I yeah, explored you know, that. You know, Jason, I like, I'm a very muscular female and I am, well, I'm going to do my next show in August, but like I have, for me personally, like I literally don't care if people like decide to take it because that's a personal decision, right? But I have decided like I am doing this naturally. Um, at least up until August, you know, and again, like I, like if I ever decide, I honestly just don't want to, because I'm so muscular as a female. Um, it's again, it's like a personal decision for myself, uh, yeah. because I'm already jacked. Like, and you I would just, be so jacked. Would I would be, like, be so jacked. I'd be entering into like the bodybuilding division. Like that's how jacked yeah. I would get if I, yeah. So I actually did my blood work with, um, do you know, Gabrielle Lyon? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. this was when I, this was like right, this was like when I was training for my first show. Um, I never had my blood work done. And I think we can talk about this too, because I think it's, I learned so much about like whenever I got my blood work done, like, like any of like imbalances. And um, I asked her, I was like, hey, as I, as I, Dr. Lyon, I was like, you have to check my, like the testosterone, because I was like, I'm so muscular as a female. And she's like, yeah, she's like, you have high testosterone for a female. She's like, you're still in the range but she's like most females that i see like they're just genetically or whatever i don't know they're they're a lot lower you are in your range but you are just on the higher spectrum of like females that i have ever seen 
So that yeah. was just, that was interesting, but yeah, keep going. Well, a lot of females about, you know, I don't know if you want to discuss your personal history, but a lot of females that took birth control, it really messes up their, their hormones. Um, and, and the longer, the longer duration, the longer they take it, then we find that a lot of females when they stop, cause then when they hit 30, they're like, wait, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with somebody now. Um, I'm meaning to start on, you know, maybe seeing if, if I'm actually fertile because I've never gotten pregnant in my twenties cause I've been on birth control. So let me just stop. And then the next year or two goes by and they're with their partner and they don't get pregnant. So point being that the, the birth control really can mess up um, their hormones amongst many other things. Is that, are you talking people, about like, just like the pill or like other forms of birth control? Because I know you do have the IUD the that, oh, just the pill. Yeah. yeah that's why the IUD is, uh, that's, I, I don't, I don't that's know. That's what I've always had. IUD. Like the non-hormonal IUD. Yeah. That's interesting. Smart. Well, it's, yeah, and that's interesting why you've been able to keep such yeah. a consistent physique, right? Sure. Um, versus, yeah, a lot of women that have roller coaster body composition because maybe they're relying on, you know, big pharma a little too much. Um, and so that's, that's what I like to put out there is, you know, you should do your research over the prescriptions that are starting to add up, you know, do, do your research and look at the side effects of those things because sure. it can lead to this more and more. But yeah, what, what we do is, um, we simply are, we're able to help everyone in all 50 states. What, what is the name of the company that, that you're associated with or that you have? Transcend. Okay. Yeah. So I make, uh, you've seen, you've probably seen me. I make, I make a lot of content about mm -hmm. um, just keeping it very simple to make people think about, you know, getting their blood work done. Um, you, you, you know, you, you think you might look healthy or you, you might even feel healthy sure. because, but the truth is it, you might not. And the blood tells the story, the blood always in a full panel. So we encourage people, we do a, a bigger panel than most doctors will do. We're going to look at the growth hormone levels, which is one thing a lot of doctors will look at. We are going to look at your testosterone and your estradiol, uh, among many other factors. So we charge like 250 bucks. And so is there, um, is there an actual doctor that's like looking at these, like the reports or who is it that's, who is it that's actually being like, okay, this is your report and this is what you need. Yeah, for for hormonal based prescriptions that a doctor has to oversee. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so doctors along with physicians assistants and a protocol specialist. Yeah, anybody um, who is like legally able to do that, they take care of that. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and so and those standards, a normal doctor might say like, "Oh, yeah, your testosterone is fine." And we have it happen all the time with men the men will be in the, like 300, 325, and they'll tell them that their testosterone is fine. And that is not normal. That's normal for an out of shape fat dude in 2023, but that's not normal for a guy back in 1923 who was working on with his hands and constantly moving, had less, you know, chemicals and less toxins in his, in sure. his food. So the human, the human has changed and their daily activities have changed and so have their hormones. And so how do you fix that? I love, dude, Keep stay natural. Like if you have healthy hormones, if you get your blood work tested with us and your your hormones are are fine, yeah, absolutely keep it that way. And, mm -hmm. and whatever you're doing, you yeah, know, I know that's why that. like my body's like a fucking machine right now. It's like I don't like why would I want to? I just want to keep trying to train it and get as big as I can, you know, by eating and you know doing everything I that, that I can. Um, so I love, but it. yeah, I, I mean, pe 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 yeah. people really do need that. And I think that, you know, there's right now for the first time, there is information that is being out there that is provided from like research, you know, things that are doing. And so I think it's good that it's being talked about a lot more. We've helped so many people. We're, we're up over 15,000 patients. The company's two years old. And that was the main goal was 
Um, we're veteran owned. So his, the, the founder, his main goal was to help veterans with PTSD. They get put on a lot of different uh, toxic uh, drugs like your, your oxycodones and your Percocets and your Xanax um, because, you know, veterans see a lot. They go through a lot. And so sometimes they, they might need medication to help. But if we could provide you a peptide that has less side effects, if, if not any, like no side, and, and it may be a nasal spray. And, you know, the, the peptides are comprised from amino acids. And so they, ha they have a different reaction in the body other than a, a petroleum-based, you know, um, addictive drug. And so that was, that was the start of the company is let's help people who need it. I'm so this is more for like this is more for like veterans because it's, it's not really for people in the military. You're, well, like, that's you're, that, that was because just I the know focus there's like the drug protocols and stuff like that. Like you know, there's substances out there that they're not allowed to basically be on because of testing and stuff. So I just like, are you able yeah. to work with the military community? Is that still like like no? Because I even think they've taken out excuse me like some free workouts. You know, the military is like ineligible to take, um, or at least it was like that in the past, but. How how is that working like with the military? Are you guys just focusing on like in the military spectrum, just the veterans for right now, getting them back to like a balanced lifestyle? Yeah, there's there's different protocols. Like, first of all, we look at their blood work as well. Same. And it's up to it's up to them, it's up to their authority, like who they report to. Um, but there is way to first of all, a a soldier or a veteran, you know, yeah. anyone in the military or anyone in general, right? But we're talking about the military. If they have low testosterone and they are doing these crazy work weeks, mm -hmm. and especially if they're and their sleep is all messed up, they go to different time zones, you know, they have sleep stress, you know, all sorts of different issues. And they're like, oh, by the way, you have low T, but you can't do anything about it. That's that's not very cool. All right. Yeah. Not only are they are living a very tough life at the time, sure. but to do that with low testosterone, that's a breeding ground for serious depression. <laughs> anxiety, sure. um, and, and the risk of suicide, sure. right? Depre depressed men are at risk of killing themselves more than men who have healthy testosterone that um, are not depressed. I mean, it's that simple. So that's where it came. Um, our founder came and he's, he started a, a foundation as well. It's called the Transcend Foundation. Um, and they work directly with all military um, in raising money for uh, men that uh, have suicidal um issues and women as well so um if there's a veteran that's listening to this and they're like wow like i could be like i could need some help because you know i'm a veteran is there an opportunity for them to basically um get help or get treatment for free or at a discounted rate is that what the nonprofit is about yeah yeah the the nonprofit is about helping is help helping you know without any cost in the, the men and women who need it Sure. And but we do help. We have a lot of patients that are in the military and we're able to work through um, their different rules. All right. Like, for instance, some guys are not allowed to take testosterone. We might have something else that we're able to help them with that can help them balance their testosterone um, or maybe maybe their testosterone is fine and they just have some serious anxiety. Uh, we've got like I just took a nasal spray before I started the podcast. It helps calm me down. It's called uh, Selenq. And um, not just the military, but I've got many friends who are who take Selenq, Um and it's able to. Is that like either... a CBD or what? Like, what is that? No, no. Selenq is a peptide just oh, made okay. to relax and calm your mood. And it really does help yeah. with anxiety. Now, there's different levels of anxiety, so I can't say that it helps everybody. But sure. I do. I do have quite a few friends that are on Xanax. And I was like, 
I literally ship them a bottle like here, it's on me. We're friends. See if you can get off of, um, uh, your, your Xanax. And you, a lot you know of what? I have, I have a crazy story about Xanax. And so I stay away from like, you know, big pharma stuff as well. Um, there was a time, it was probably like four years ago. Um, I needed something for like anxiety to be able to fall asleep and be like, I'd lay down and like the whole world just crashed down. I would think about everything that I didn't do. Plus like the trash that I left on the porch. And it was just like this nightmare of swirl. So you know, like, I reached out to my doctor and I, like they, I, I didn't know anything about, you know, like anxiety, medication, depression, whatever. And you know, Xanax. So you can just take this. It's like, okay. So it started out with like a half pill and it was good. Like, wow, I fell asleep. Like it was so nice, but it became like this before I knew it within a couple of months, like I was very, very strongly addicted to Xanax to the point where like, I didn't have a refill and I was like, Oh, it's fine. You know, I'll be okay. Like I, I didn't need to go get my refill or something happened. Like the store closed. I didn't get it. Whatever. I had like the biggest, the biggest anxiety attack where I should have taken myself to the hospital. And that, and it was simply because I did not have the medication. And that's when I realized like I had a problem because I was addicted to that medicine and I couldn't get it. And like, I just realized like that at that right then and there, I called my doctor. I was like, Hey, I was like, look, I just gotta be real with you. I was like, we gotta, I gotta get off of this. And so then we, right away, we started this process of like, okay, we're going to start weaning you off. And then finally I was clear of that. And ever since then, like, I just haven't even, I haven't haven't gone back to that and this is where it's important that i want people to understand and listen to this like there are alternatives out there for your anxiety for your depression everything that jason is talking about for your mental health don't just don't just because you go to a doctor don't just trust what they're saying do your own research find alternative ways don't just take like a big pharma pill just because you think that's gonna fix it what it's doing is it's literally just putting a band-aid on it it's just putting a band-aid on a problem that like it's going to end up exploding in your face if you don't f figure out a more natural way to take care of it and also figure out a way to make your body and your mind healthier and more stable. Yeah. yeah, we we are very, I've never even thought about how aligned we are with a lot of our views on, you know, how to medicate and how to take care of ourselves, but we do see eye to eye. Sure. You know, another, th another thing, um, you know, I know we're talking about transcend and what we do, but is cold plunge like you know some people now start to label me as some type of drug guy dude <laughs> like, i need to get one of those at my but, house but isn't listen, cold isn't cold plunge is like the it's like the ice bath isn't it cold therapy or, it, it just it helps me with it helps calm me right i do it at night does it suck yeah but i, I don't benefit. i don't i don't know if i would call them after getting out of a cold therapy session oh, <laughs> you are though you're, you're not yeah you're not. okay and then you start to build this resistance <laughs> mentally and mm. i i mean i'm so honestly i, I like sounds stupid i'm so freaking proud of myself because like <laughs> i can now i can jump in the cold plunge at the coldest it goes and i which can which is why what's, what's, yeah, what's the what's the temp Mine gets to 45 degrees. Okay. And so I was, no, I, guess I haven't gone to 45 yet. I go to 48. So okay. don't, don't want to, don't want to lie. So, but yeah, three so, degree, yeah, so you're saying you haven't gone three degrees down. It's going to make that matters. much of a difference. Does it? It matters. Yes. Every degree matters. Jason, Jason, do you know what I have outside? You want to you know what my cold plunge is at my house? It's, well, I have the ocean, but I have a horse trough outside that I yeah. let like freeze over and then I'll just like, hit the ice but wait what, as... you're in south carolina where are you no virginia beach okay i knew yes so i had to be somewhere colder yeah. that's what i started with that's what i started with and i was fine with that 
And then Cold Plunge hit me up and they're like, hey, listen, we see you do like filling your ice every day. And I even bought an industrial ice maker because I was like, oh I need to save my- I'm not going to spend $20, $25 on ice every day sure. yeah. and have to go to the gas station. Sure. So I, I bought like a $300 ice maker and I still use it for parties and stuff now. But <laughs> the, the ice, the horse trough is still going to be my like backyard. Sure. I have a TV and I'll absolutely be back there chilling during the summer. Um, but yeah, so what I'm saying though is there's a lot of different ways to medicate and it a lot of anxiety and a lot of these issues are from an outside influence and having to deal with them internally some can sometimes be damaging. But the truth is you have to tell yourself that, you know what, I don't always need peptides. I don't, I, I don't definitely need a Xanax, but there is something that I need to continue to explore and do my due diligence to figure out how I can medicate internally before I go reach out for something um, externally. Sure. Sure. So tell me about the cold plunge and how, like, how does that, cause we talk, we talk about this. I talk about this a lot with my community about like just strengthening like your, your mental fortitude. And, and that's basically what you're saying. Like now, you know, of course you, the first time you get in there, like you're very uncomfortable because it sucks, right? You're like suffering, like you're frozen, you're suffering, you're cold, you're wet. You don't want to be in there, but over time, over time, you build this resilience to that, right? Like it even, even like, just the conversations that you start having with yourself before you get in as your confidence builds, the longer that you can stay in the tub. Right. So, um, how, how do you think this has been beneficial? Because like, I honestly don't even get in the horse trough that's like outside because it's like, because I don't want to do it because it's so cold, but I kind of want to hear your thoughts and like, why is this, why should the listeners who are listening to this? Like, why should they get in the ice bath? Well, there is science behind it. All right. And um, sometimes science gets boring to me, but there is science to show that here's one example. If you fill your sink up with ice water and water and you go and dip your head in it in the morning. okay, um, and you keep it in there for maybe 10 seconds at a time, you come back up and do that four or five times for 10 seconds. It literally will help the the vagus nerve. All right. And it'll help with all sorts of different anxiety like you might not be diagnosed with anxiety but you still have levels of anxiety you might not be aware of but if you go and do that in the morning that's one example it's scientifically proven that uh it, it uh relaxes the the vagus nerve I'm and you will this, have Jason. you will have a better day you will have a better day so now amplify that to the freaks like me you know and and you somewhat too i think is that you? You like the hard shit. Like you, yeah. you embrace the hard route. If it's hard, you know it's good for you. If you mm-hmm. hard, if it's hard, you know it's gonna be more rewarding. And we could go on and on. But basically, hard shit makes life easier. Right? <laughs> hard shit does not make life worse, unless you suck at embracing how hard it. Is. So the sure. point is, if you can purposely do something hard, you know, like we like to work out. We like that. It's hard. We started and it was hard, and now it's easy. We can do the hardest freaking workout ever. But with the cold plunge. If you can purposely take your, put yourself in a position where you have to calm yourself, right? You have to calm yourself or it's going to suck. And then you do that over and over and over. When you're in a, when you're in a position in life, maybe a, a hard meeting, maybe a confrontation, maybe it's with your, your spouse or you're having an argument or, or, or maybe it's just something stressful. You, you are better at adapting to that, that tough situation because you put yourself and, and, and you know how to calm yourself in this cold plunge. It's literally, sure. that is how I can relate it to people is because I sit in the cold, it allows me to be able to handle cold, stressful environments in real life better. Um, and that is a weakness of mine. I get heated, 
you know, I'm a dude who grew up, you know, without a, a father figure, someone to teach me how to, uh, and, and I don't blame it on that, but I'm saying that I've got all these check marks as to why sure. I could be some asshole that um, doesn't handle situations <laughs> right. And right. the fact is that I, I, I have to call myself out and, and acknowledge that, but utilize tools, oh. different tools to help me be a better man. And men need to be able to handle situations in a calm fashion. So the freaking cold plunge, dude, I'm so passionate about it. Love it. It's like the best thing. Now, do I do it every single day? No, I mean, I get busy and also I get, I get chicken out. But how, how long day, do you stay in there now? You said it's at 40, 48 degrees. Dude, you start with one minute and then you build up. I'm at three minutes, but still, <laughs> if I do two minutes, I feel amazing. It's a little like if you think about it, wait, two minutes out of my day to feel absolutely amazing. I think it's worth the investment. Sure. Do, you, do you get like whenever you're doing, do you, do you usually go for the morning time? Morning is best for overall yeah. um, quality of life. Like the benefits you get from it. Sure. The morning is best because you're going to have insane energy till like 12 or 1 p.m. Like if you do it, like I, I was doing it about 7 a.m. And then I start with the sauna because I have a sauna too. But you can just start with jump rope. They, they sell a trampoline. And basically if you go for a run, it's a little bit easier to go to warm your body up to a higher temperature and then go get in the cold. Sure. But the hardcore, the Joe Rogans out there and some of these, the Morozco guys and all these guys, these doctors who are freaks about it, they literally get in morning without even warming up their body temperature. And I've tried it. Woo, now that's a whole nother level. So there's levels to this whole cold therapy. And so, my, but my, mine is it, it, infrared sauna, also mm -hmm. heat, gets up to about 160. Sure. And then I get in the cold plunge for three minutes. Best day of my life. Um, does, the, does the cold plunge, does they have ice that comes in it or how does it cool the water no no this brand this brand has a little it has plumbing next to it so you don't even need external plumbing um you fill it up with water with a hose and it's filtered you have a filter and it literally chills it there's a cooler on the side of this porcelain tub that literally just chills it and that makes it even colder because it's circulating it's not like it's just sitting there there's spouts coming out that are circulating which yeah. keeps it cold yeah. So yeah, that's all it is. Is it, there, there's yeah. a heat version too. So I didn't get the heat version, but I just got the. Dang. You know. I I want to look at their stuff. I have actually thought about like getting a, a cold plunge, but again, it's like I don't. It's I don't have a garage. Same issue with the like the puppies that we were talking about earlier. Like I I don't have a place to either be outside where it's getting hit by the ocean wind, or I don't have a garage. I don't have a garage. You're, you're just you're just living the rough life. I guess so. A rough life house. I probably shouldn't be complaining. I feel you. Um. So what? Like, what's coming? Like, what's next for you? What do you have coming out? Like, what are you working on? Like, where can people find you? Um. Yeah. So I'm working on a lot, and it's um. I feel blessed to have so many different cool things that I'm passionate about. So, um, we just launched a skincare That's and um. I've always, I've been a guy, my mom told me at a young age, like, take care of your skin. You may not care now, but I promise you when you're old, you're going to care what you look like. Like, cause young men, man, they don't care about putting lotion on and stuff. Sure, sure. And, and I honestly still to this day have never put on, I don't think I've ever put on sunscreen. I mean, I could probably count with both hands. Like yeah. I'll put it on the shoulders. It is smart. Like I should use sunscreen, but the point sure. is like, I got tired of not knowing what the heck to put on my face and using my wife's stuff. Like. Mm -hmm. The wife stuff is not made for men. It's different. Right. Like we, we sure. have different. So since I became educated on peptides and understand the value of some anti-aging 
peptides, we launched a skincare line called Virgin. And um, Virgin um, is, a, is a men's skincare line that does not affect male hormones. A lot of, and I didn't know this, but there's a lot of research out there that says that a lot of men's uh, lotions and their facial cares uh, literally will reduce testosterone and raise their estrogen. And I was like, here I am. I'm like working with a TRT company and I've been putting this stuff on my face forever. So yeah, so Bur we launched Virgin this year. Um, excited about that. It's a super simple men's skincare. Where can and, people find um, that out? It's, everything's on my social media. You, can, you guys can go to my social media. There's links to everything that I'm involved in, every way that I can help you guys. What's and your social? Jason, yeah, sorry. Jason, Jason Poston Pro is Instagram. Um, I got involved with TikTok. I know a lot of people hate on TikTok, but I, I kind of find it interesting, man. <laughs> um, Jason, Jason posted on TikTok cool. and then face Facebook is also, I'm, I'm, I'm like getting back. I heard Facebook's coming back. I, I kind of, is it? It, but I heard it's coming back, baby. <laughs> Do you have the same content going from like your Instagram to Facebook? like feeding that way. Cause I do either, you know, you have so many things going on. I have so many things going on. It's like, you yeah. have all these business adventures. I have multiple businesses as, as well. And it's like, how many different social media things do we have now? It's like, it just, it keeps going, you know, it just keeps going and growing. So a whole different um, world. You have well, to though. If, if you're a person that wants to grow, you, sure. if you're a person that, you know, and I do, I have financial goals. Like I want to make a lot of money and be able sure. to pass down some some wealth to my to my kids and my kids kids so sure. um you know if you're involved with social media i really I, I couldn't even consult someone and say hey just focus on one or two platforms yeah. now if you're a hustler you really got it because and if you can't handle five six different platforms you need to hire a team that can help you sure and that's kind of where i'm at now is like listen i'll make the content but they'll schedule it they'll post it they'll produce it youtube's hard as hell you know mm -hmm. um you got to have a team for that now so it literally is like it's a whole, you know, it's a, it's its own, it's its own uh, job within itself. Just the social media part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's production. It's literally a TV production. And what better people complain about social media. But I'm like, Hey man, at least I don't have to rely on TV. I barely watch any TV. I know anymore, so that is true. I'd rather That's hear tough. from influencers and real life people. Yeah. That, you know, it's uh, a reliable source. Exactly. <laughs> and what they're saying is uh, truth. So well, thanks, dude, man. It was so great talking to you. I think that you gave out so much valuable information, especially if somebody is looking to learn more about Transcend. Um, how do they find out? Like, should they just go to your social media as well? Yeah, like, go, DM you, hit you up, ask you questions. Got, yeah, yeah, you guys, I answer DMs um, on every platform, especially Instagram, um, Facebook. I don't answer a lot of DMs. There's so many on, on there, but. Yeah, you, if you go, if you come to my Instagram, that's my main, main source of availability, and it is me answering the DMs. And you can also find things like the link in my bio. You can, we can talk more about Transcend because it is, it is a very delicate discussion when you're talking about taking any type of prescription. So, sure, we, but that's we we have a massive team. We also have you know over forty protocol specialists that answer these questions for people. But I'm happy to to make the introduction. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much today, Jason, for your time and coming on to the Reborn Show. I know the listeners got a lot of information, really great information. Just keep hammering. It's so good to see how much hustling you're doing on social media and watching you, especially your family. You guys are all truly amazing. So yeah. it's pretty fun watching you be a, a dad and all the craziness. We Yeah, we're going to have to do another show. Yes. I'm inviting myself back because okay. we didn't even talk about stem cell exosomes. So hmm. that, we'll talk about that educated. next one. Yeah, let's do yeah. that.
Okay, we'll have we'll you back. We'll have you back. Okay, thanks, Jason. All right, thank you. Okay, Ashley. bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much. Um, if you got anything from this podcast at all, make sure you share it on your social channels. Um, leave me a review, rate me, and thank you so much for joining me again on today's Reborn podcast from Ironclad. I will see you guys next week. Bye. What would you decide when it's on the line? If it's do or die, would you compromise? Or would you stand through the storm and roll with the tide? Would you be the one to fight or the one to hide? You can never touch the sky, don't try to fly. Rocky Rose, but we stayed unshakable. Been through it all and we're still unbreakable.